0: First in the morning, morning, SAFM Sunrise with Stephen Grutus. Well, issues around mining at the moment, and of course the African mining in Darba are still underway uh, in Cape Town. Sort of a big week for mining. Uh, there are big questions around mining and what you would call its social license to operate. In other words, what it does for society. We've seen big changes in mining over the years. But we also need, and I think we can all see this, we need more investment in mining. Paula Ann Novotny is the senior associate at Weber Wenzel, looking at the issue around mining. Joins us now. Paula Ann, good morning. Thanks very much indeed for your time. Good
1: morning, Stephen. Thanks for having me.
0: I think many people will look at mining in different ways. Um, And we spoke to an organization this week that represents communities around mines. And they still, after so much has changed, still believe that mines are not really looking after people. And every time there's an accident underground and people die, we're sort of reminded of that. Are mines running into a position where people just don't trust them, don't believe that they're actually going to respect humans and and people?
1: It's, It's a very important topic and very important question, Stephen, and it is an issue that continues to be faced. I mean, it's one of the biggest challenges to mining is the trust component, particularly from your host communities, in order to maintain that social license to operate. That said South Africa has very comprehensive laws around community engagement, community participation participation, and social and economic development, sustainable development. And and, and these laws are the baseline of you know, social and labor plans produced by Mines, the environmental management programs. But there's been a large international movement, and it's not old by any means, around business and human rights. And that BHR concept encapsulates all of these social elements, not only around communities, but viewing stakeholders as rights holders, and the mining company and government on the other side as duty bearers. And what that means is literally that mining companies now just need to rejig how they view risk to business and from business with a lens to people at the forefront of their impacts.
0: The laws that are in place now... I presume that the people who drew up the laws and during that process, there was a sort of specific outcome in mind. And the outcome would have been a better relationship between mines and communities and perhaps a a greater contribution from mining companies to communities. Do you think the laws are achieving the correct outcome or the outcome that we wanted?
1: I mean, that's always a debate that you could have sort of, <laughs> over a few hours, it's, and it boils down to implementation of laws, enforcement of laws, and actually taking them on board into organizational practices. But the way the laws are drafted are, in South Africa, quite progressive, and are intending to and often do achieve those exact points. And, you know, concepts of sustainable development have a very specific and defined scope within our laws that are achievable and do are achieved by a lot of at least the major mining
0: companies. We know and we've seen sort of mining money, capital, investment, going to other places, and there are various reasons for that. Eskom has been a big part of it. Do you think, I mean, we saw the president speaking, um, we saw the minister speaking, and I know also the cadastral, the mineral mapping system's been a big problem. Do you get a sense that people, that government now realises what it needs to do to attract investment? If we don't have more exploration and investment now, in 10, 15 years' time, our mining sector is going to be much smaller.
1: Most certainly, we're seeing so much new or different types of advice and work being required in the space given international movements, particularly in the funding and investment space and international expectations and financing arrangements and requirements are more and more informing how people do business relationships um, and obviously geopolitical risks, supply chain risks. All of these types of things that a lot of people have been talking about at Mining Endeavor this week are starting to take the forefront in terms of informing how mining companies stay resilient in terms of doing business in the future, but that resilience encapsulates the social and the environmental, the governance components that require, again, that your view on how you affect or impact people and how you operate in today's society looks a little bit different to how it did 20 or even 50 years ago.
0: How involved should mining mining companies be? And I'll give you an example. So we talk about, you know, there's there's a lot of mining involvement in the sort of private sector interactions with government, trying to resolve problems, particularly around Transnet, for example. So, I mean, we can all say that's probably productive and constructive, and it's good that government and companies are working together. But in an interview, I think it was published in Daily Maverick this morning, the CEO at Sabania Stillwater near Froneman said that Dealing with these problems is only dealing with the symptoms and not resolving the problem. One of the big problems, in his view, is a lack of leadership, and we need to change the leadership. Now, Paula Ann, if I were in the ANC or government, I'd think Neil Froneman's getting a little too involved when he says something like that.
1: And it's also a debate that's starting to spark up a little bit more now, Stephen. And, and again, business and human rights and international frameworks practices guide us in this case, but Governments in the state are the primary duty bearers in international, right, in international law, right? So access to water, access to healthcare services, all of our basic and fundamental human rights at the first instance must be promoted, provided for, fulfilled, respected by governments. In South African and African mining industries where governments are failing and where mining has such a big footprint and influence in industry, it is often governments that so far have been saying, well, the mind should step in, and this is to relieve or resolve these issues and challenges at a human rights level. Again, our, our human rights frameworks internationally do also envisage that while the government is the primary duty bearer, corporates have an independent duty to respect human rights and where companies such as minds form Essentially, the backbone of certain economies, they have the ability to exert a certain level of leverage or influence within their industries and entire value chains and, and the past business relationships. And so, again, understanding the scope and ambit of corporate responsibility when it comes to these components is critical because it exists and it's there. But there are different levels to which that duty needs to be discharged, and there must be a recognition that government still remains the primary duty in the first instance.
0: I realise you're a lawyer, Paula-Ann. Are you suggesting <laughs> mine, mine, mining companies must be uh, constructive but mustn't go too far?
1: Correct. It's, it, and, and it's all in the language and it's all in the way we, you, you operate, but the reason we have all these progressive laws is because government has taken our constitution and promoted that constitution through legislation. Corporates, they need to comply and respect that. But to enforce it or to meet it or to implement it is not the role of the mm-hmm. private sector. It is to comply with it and go as far as they can within their realm of influence.
0: Paula Ann Novotny, thank you. Senior Associates at Weber Wenzel, really appreciate the time.